0: and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Luke chapter nine, verse
1: one to 17. Commissioning the 12. Summoning the 12, he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Then he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for the road, he told them. No staff, no traveling bag, no bread, no money, and don't take an extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. If they do not welcome you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and traveled from village to village, Proclaiming the good news and healing everywhere Herod the Tetrarch heard about everything that was going on He was perplexed Because some said that John had been raised from the dead Some that Elijah had appeared And others that one of the ancient prophets had risen I beheaded John, Herod said But who is this I hear such things about? And he wanted to see him Feeding of the 5,000 When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. He took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out, they followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed healing. Late in the day, the twelve approached and said to him, Send the crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because we are in a deserted place here. You give them something to eat, he told them. We have no more than five loaves and two fish, they said, unless we go and buy food for all these people, for about 5,000 men were there. Then he told his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each, They did what he said and had them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. He kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate and was filled. They picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that we've been able to gather in your presence to just worship you and to hear from you, Father God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for giving us your word, Lord, so that we might know more about you and about your son. Thank you, Father God, for your church. Thank you for the local church, Lord. And I thank you for everyone who's here and everyone who's tuning in, Father God that you've given us the opportunity to see another day and to spend time in your word together. I pray for Marv, Lord, as he comes to deliver the message. I pray, Lord, that as he speaks, may he decrease and may you increase, Lord. May the words of his mouth and the thoughts of his heart be a blessing from you, Father God, and may they may they please you, Father God. I pray that you will just be with him. I pray that you will give him the strength to speak father god give him the words to speak and just as he speaks lord give us the hearts to hear give us the ears lord open our ears and open our minds and our hearts to receive from you today thank you so much again lord for what you're doing in your church and what you're doing in our lives we thank you and we worship you in jesus name amen
0: Amen. It's good to get to serve you today and preach uh, from the scriptures. We should always give thanks to God uh, for the ability to open the word, right? And uh, to be together. Shay can, uh, Shay, can you move that a little closer uh, to me? So the title of the message today is, Our Ministry Should Look Like His Ministry. Our ministry should look like his ministry, and it's titled that because all of us are ministers of the gospel. Is it gonna make it? That's good, right there, it's fine. I don't want it to unplug. All of us are ministers of the gospel. Now, sometimes in, in church life, we can think, oh, ministers of the gospels are only the people who are on staff, or pastors, or missionaries, or unique evangelists, but the reality is, is all of us are ministers of the gospel. Ephesians. Four says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints, so there's a reminder of your identity, who you are in Christ, to equip the saints for what? For the work of ministry. We're all called to minister. Why? So to build up the body of Christ. And so God, what he wants is nobody sitting back. He wants everybody to actually participate in the work. And sometimes in church life, some of us just sit back. But God's like, no, everybody needs to engage. Everybody needs to participate. And you're going to see that, I believe, from the text. So it says in verse 1, so summoning the 12. Now, the the 12 is just another way of referring to the disciples. The group of, of, of brothers that Jesus has been equipping and discipling and about to deploy says, he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now what Jesus does here actually uh, has important lessons about leadership and authority. There's three things before we sort of keep going that I want to show us. That when we think about leadership and authority, the first is secure leaders give other people opportunities to lead. Secure leaders give up. I remember Vivian was over at the house a a couple weeks ago with me and, not a couple weeks ago, like a couple Fridays ago with me and Kim, and she was just sort of sharing about a a, a leader that was over her and that just was threatened by her, I believe, and wouldn't be willing to to give her this opportunity to, to lead. But secure leaders allow others to lead. They're not threatened by young leaders. They release them into more leadership. Here's this other one. God puts people in positions of leadership. Notice, Jesus is the one who gives them the opportunity. He sends them. And so, what does that tell you? Every leader in the world government, pastor, what a teacher, whatever is accountable to God. And every leader is going to have to answer to God for the way that they lead because He gives them the opportunity. This next one. We're given authority and leadership for the benefit of others. Now you're like, where is that? Well, it's right in the text. It says that he sends them to proclaim the kingdom, which is the gospel message, and to heal the sick. People are going to benefit from their ministry if they actually do what God says. Again, there are so many people in our culture who are living in fear, who are living with trauma, who are living with anger. And you know why? Because some leaders have forgotten this. That their leadership is to be for the benefit of others. And they forget it, and so what do they do? They abuse their leadership, and they abuse the people who are under them. And again... God is going to hold those people accountable for that. And so leadership is not this thing to be played with. So he sends them to do two things. Proclaim and heal the sick. And what you have here is the picture of balanced ministry. It's a picture of balanced ministry. Jesus sends them to do what he did. This is how he ministered. This balanced ministry. And, and when you read, so if you go back from Luke 4, when Jesus starts his ministry to right now, this is what you see. This powerful ministry of word and deed. He proclaims the gospel and he helps people. And he sends us to do the same things. He models the ministry he wants us to follow. Now you got to think about this, the, the times that we're living in. Right? So many people are scared. So many people are suffering. So many people are struggling. So many people are sinning. How important then is it for us to minister this way? Gospel proclamation, but also helping people practically. We have to do it. And it takes courage and compassion. See, when we minister like this as a church and as people, so there's the, there's us together as a church, but then as individuals when we do this, you know what it does? It shows people that God cares about every area of their life. That it's not just the spiritual, but the physical needs actually matter to him, and we show that. And when we minister like this, we actually shine a bright light. We shine a light. Victor Dang, he, he sent... Uh, this ministry update this week and in the start of his ministry update there was this line so i copied it and i just said i'm just going to show this he says we are the light of the world and while the world is still odd isn't it while the world is still odd i love this that doesn't change our call from god to shine in it we have a unique opportunity to shine in a time like this to minister, to declare the gospel, to help people practically. Inside the church, we got to do this for each other, right? We're a family. And we got to do this for people outside the church because we want to see them come into family. We want them to see how good God is. I want you to know proclamation and practical care goes together. That's what, the, that's what this scripture teaches us. And any church that forgets that will focus on one over the other. And that's not how God wants us to minister. He wants us to do both. And this kind of ministry takes all of us. That's why I said all of us are ministers of the gospel. We all have to participate. Verse 3, he says, Take nothing for the road, he told them. No staff, no travel bag, no bread, no money. And take... And don't take an extra shirt. And I'm reading that. I'm like, come on, Jesus. You can, the brothers can take an extra shirt. But he's like, no, take nothing. Verse 4, he says, whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. If they do not welcome you, then leave that town. Shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Jesus tells them, like, you know, go. He says, travel light. But he also says, things aren't always going to be smooth. You see it? you see it in the text? He says, you're going to go some places where they're going to reject you. He's trying to prepare them for the ups and downs. That it won't always be, yes, thank you for that help. Thank you for that message. Some people are going to say, no, I don't want that. I'm not interested in that. He's trying to get them ready for what they're going to do. And it's this reminder that in ministry, there's ups and there's downs. Are we not learning this as a church? that there's ups and downs, that, that, honestly, right now in my life, every time in our house, all I, I just look at Kim, and I'm just like, let's just deal with today. Right? Right, you, never in my life, had, you know, you read the Bible, and you're like, you know, you don't know what tomorrow will bring, you're like, ah, that's such a nice Bible verse. And then you start living life, and you're like, that Bible verse, ber- 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 sorry, my, my, my mouth fell apart there, that Bible verse... Is real Right now we are sitting here and under the Word of God, but in an hour. We don't know and I just I just keep thinking and believing as a church me personally that God is trying to get us into this spot where we are just dependent and We're just saying today has enough trouble like Jesus says so I'm dealing with today, and I'm gonna let God take care of tomorrow and We just stay settled. He prepares them for the ups and downs. And let me just tell you, as a church, we are going to go through more ups and downs. That's going to happen. In your life, you're going to go through more ups and downs. But you know what you should never do? You can't give up. And again, it's in the text. Jesus says, they're going to reject you. What does he say? Shake the dust off of your feet and go to another town. What's he telling them? Don't give up. Just because there's rejection, just because there's the ups and downs, doesn't mean that you give up. You keep going. You keep trusting the Lord. And as a church, there will be more ups and downs. But as a family, we have to look at each other and we got to say, we're not going to give up because the work is too important. We're going to stick together. We're going to fight for unity and we're going to trust God all the way through. In verse 5, he says, if they reject you to to shake the dust off of your feet. And that's actually to the people doing the rejecting, it's a warning. It's a warning to them to say that that if you reject God's message and if you reject God's messengers, then you will be rejected by God. It's a warning. It's an opportunity for those people to wake up and that there's such an important word there to the person who is rejecting God at the moment. And the word is that unbelief is dangerous, that if you stay in a place of unbelief, that God will reject you in the end, He will give you what you desire, separation from Him, for all eternity. But again, the warning in the text is giving them an opportunity to turn. And so even now, the unbeliever, as I speak, is being given an opportunity to turn and to believe and not reject the message of God. Verse 6 says, so they went out and traveled from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing everywhere. Such Such a simple verse that speaks to the fact that they obeyed. So they went, it says, from town to town. Obedience is hard. Obedience is, it's like running a marathon. Anybody ever run a marathon before? Put your hand up. Because if your hand goes up, I think you're crazy. It's hard. I know you do. You're not putting your hand up. Say it again. A half, even a half marathon is hard. It's, it's not, it's not obedience is hard just like running a marathon but obedience always leads to blessing i promise you that when you obey the lord you will be blessed maybe not in this life but definitely in the life to come obedience leads to blessing obedience pleases god Got to understand that. The Father is pleased with us when we walk in obedience. Obedience protects our personal witness and it protects the witness of the church. And obedience loves the people in your life. It's an act of love. And so we need to walk in obedience. If there's something right now that you know the Lord's like, you got to step into that. Be courageous and walk in what God has said. Verse 9 says, Herod... Heard about everything that was going on. So Herod is the ruler at the time of uh, the ministry of of Jesus. And he was perplexed because some said that John had been raised from the dead. Some that Elijah had appeared and others that one of the ancient prophets had risen. says, I beheaded John, Herod said, but who is this that I hear so much things about? And he wanted to see him. So again, you know the, the, the gospel's going on, the ministry of Jesus, is, is, his popularity is growing, and so Herod hears about him, and, and, and Luke says that he's perplexed, and right? that word's important. Right? What he's trying to tell you is he's trying to figure out who Jesus is. He's like, you know, like, this guy's doing stuff, he, he's clearly known, Like, who is he? He's trying to figure that out. Well, Peter gives the answer. Later in Luke 9, he says, Jesus says, and we're going to look at this, Lord willing, next week. He said, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. See, Herod's trying to figure out who is, who is Jesus, and Peter gives the answer. He says, you're the Messiah, you're the anointed one, you're the Savior that we all need. Luke, what he does, is he's showing us what Peter says. This is what Luke wants his readers and everyone in the world to see and to acknowledge that jesus is the savior that we need i want you to see something that herod says that you shouldn't miss he says i beheaded john you notice that he says i beheaded john look at how casual he talks about murder We have people in our, our society, in some of our neighborhoods, this is, how they, this is how they go about life. They don't care about life. Look how casual he is when he talks about murder. He says, I, I, beheaded, I beheaded John. See, he hated John. He opposed John. See, the way some of us watch Family Feud because we expect Steve Harvey to make us laugh, don't we? And he, the brother is funny. But the way we expect him to make us life, we should expect opposition when we seek to minister like Jesus Christ. And I just realized that I forgot to give that to you, the takeaway. Let's show it to him, Joe. Just doing it as I'm up here. We're sent by Jesus to minister like Jesus. We're sent by Jesus to minister like Jesus. And when we, when we go out to minister this way, we will face opposition. There will. Satan hates the work of God. He hates when we try to expand the kingdom of God. People in our culture hate the work of God, and so they will oppose. We need to know that this is part of the process. And when we know this is part of the process, it helps us to not give up in the work. I wanna say one more thing on this. Here's an example of how a ruler, a king, a politician can abuse their authority right this this is a this is a brother who's overstepping his authority and this is why we're told in the scriptures to to pray for those who are in high, high office you ever wonder why that that one of the reasons is because of, is because of this reality we don't live in this right now but again you do not know what tomorrow will bring and th- this could be our reality as we continue to stand up for our faith and stand up for what we believe in and proclaim and advance the kingdom of God in the world, this could become our reality. That's why i was pray for those who are in high office. You should make that a priority right now in your life, that they would act wisely, that they would act ethically and justly in the role that God has given them. And again, again, I always want us to remember, God will hold them accountable for the way they lead, but we need to be in prayer. Verse 10 says, when the apostles returned, so they go out and now they, they've been working and they come back. So they reported to Jesus all they had done. And he took them along with, along and withdrew to a private town, to a town called Bethesda. So they return and Jesus says, you know what, Let, let's, let's go for some R&R, let's get off the grid. And I want you to see that Jesus practiced rest, and so should we. God does not want you to just work, 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 and no rest, whether that's in ministry or just in your regular day-to-day life he does not want that and sometimes we have to look and we need to say I need to take a break from ministry I need to take a moment and stop working sometimes we even need to take a break from specific people oh you're laughing because you know it's true it, that's okay sometimes there's people in our life who we just got to be like yo you know what I just need a minute the relationship's not over, but we got to cut this off for a couple days. And then we'll come back to it. We, we need to rest and stop. So they're off the grid. And then verse 11 says, when the crowds found out, they followed him. So the, again, the crowd, they're into Jesus and they're like, they follow him. They're like, we, we want something from him. He says, he welcomed them. Look at the hospitality of Jesus. People come and what does it say? He welcomes them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing see it do you see the physical care and the and the practical care spoke to them about the kingdom healed those who needed healing God cares about every area of our life so they're there they're ministering and then the disciples are like yo we got a problem Verse 12 says, late in the day, the 12 approached and said to him, send the crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging because we're in a deserted place here. So they're like, Jesus, there ain't, there ain't enough food around here. We got a problem. Then he goes, you give them something to eat. So right now he's challenging their faith. He says, you give them something to eat. He challenges their faith, but he also shows how fast we forget things. Look what they say. It says, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, they said, unless we go and buy food for all these people. Verse 14, for about 5,000 men were there. So Jesus challenges their faith, but you notice in there, they've forgotten who they're with. Again, remember what they've gone through up to this point. They've seen Jesus calm a storm, right? Remember? On the boat, get us off the boat, get up off the boat. Then they get off the boat, they see a demon-possessed man. They're like, back in the boat, back in the boat. Jesus heals the demon-possessed man, right? They've seen him free people. And what do they say? Where are we going to find food? Could you imagine? Jesus is probably standing there like, "What's, what's wrong with these guys? They forget who they're with. See, when we forget what God has done in the past, it becomes very difficult for us to see what God can do in our present. When we forget that, we just need to, just week to week, just do a review of what God's done in your life so far, so that our faith would increase when we forget what God's done. Our faith becomes very weak, but when we remember, faith increases. Verse fourteen, he told his disciples, "Have them sit down in groups of fifty each." It says they did what he said, and he had them. They had them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. He kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate and was filled. They picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. Jesus takes the little that they had and he multiplies it. He does actually more than they expect. There's an abundance here. And what you have here is this is a picture of a God who provides. God provides. They can have a nice dinner right now. All because... Of Jesus, because he gives. Remember in verse 3, do you remember in verse 3 what Jesus said to them? Do you remember it? He says, take nothing for the road. No money, no shirt, no bread, no bag, no stuff. Do you know why he tells them that? Because he wanted them to trust God. You want to understand what's going on in the te- That's why he says that. And right now, in this moment, do you know what he shows them? Do you know what he shows us? That we can trust God. They were in a jam. There's no food. And what ha- God comes through. We can trust the Lord to provide. He works a miracle. And this is why Luke 12 says... Do not worry about your life. Now, think of this miracle. Think of the jam they're in, and then take that in. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat, they had a fruit problem. About the body, what you will wear, why? Why would he why would Jesus say this Jesus talking? I can't wait till we get to this again, Lord willing. Your father tells us the way to think about God. Your father knows that you And so Jesus says, don't worry, don't stress, don't live in fear, don't live in anxiety, just stay calm, and then do what? Seek his kingdom, focus on the main thing. And these things will be provided for you, same idea. We have to be a people that trust God, and I'm talking to my own soul up here. it seems like the thing that God wants to do in my life is to, I don't know if he's doing this in your life, but to bring you to a spot where all you can say is, God's gotta come through. He has to provide. And I'm going to trust him because this miracle shows I can. We can. And so we hold on. Verse 15 says he had them sit down in groups of 50. He had them sit down in groups of 50. And you're like, why are you telling me that, Marv? Because I want you to realize that Jesus cares about organization. They can't feed the people if it's disorganized. And so he says, sit them down. Jesus cares about organization. And there's a principle for us there about our own life. That our life needs to be organized, our money needs to be organized. We need to think, our work needs to be organized, our homes need to be organized. It matters to God. And so we should put those things together and put in the work. When it's organized, things run better. And there's a principle there not to ignore. Life is too important for you just to just kind of make it a mess. So we keep things organize Then he says in verse 17 everyone ate Remember 5,000 men. There's more people than that there He says everyone ate and they were filled. What did Jesus do here? He turned the deserted place into an all-you-can-eat buffet I'm serious They all ate and they were filled This physical and the spiritual matters to God. And I want you to realize, it says in the text, that he kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. And again, what what Luke is trying to show you is that God meets the needs of others through us. When we go out and choose to minister like Jesus Christ, we actually make a difference in people's lives. You want your life to matter? You want your life to count for something? Serve like Jesus. Minister like Jesus. Do for go out like him and look to help others. God will use you to make a difference in people's lives. So we served. Verse 17 says, everyone ate, and then they picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. Now, could you just, a, just picture Peter right now? Peter's my guy. I said that last week. But Peter's like, yo, 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 brothers and sisters, there's food. There's leftovers over here, right? You hope somebody in that desert brought some Tupperware. He's like, there's food to take home. There's an over and abundance, right? You go to the family barbecue, right? You bring some plastic with you. You're like, I'm bringing something home. And there's a principle here for hospitality. That's why I'm showing you this. And you're like, what's the principle, Marv? What's the principle for hospitality? Here's the principle. When you have people to your house, make enough food for them to take home. I'm, you're laughing. I'm not kidding. If I come to your house, there better be something for me to take home. Right? Because if you come to mine, there's going to be something. I promise you. My grandma taught me well. There's, there's, get some plastic. There's food to take home. It's, and it's, it's when you do that, you're ministering like Jesus. You're like, how? Because you're being generous. You're going over the top. Yes, I'm, you're coming to my house, and I'm going to bless you with some food when you sit down. Even if it's takeout, order enough for them to take some home. It's just a way to be generous. It's a way to love. We're sent by Jesus to minister like Jesus. See, Jesus. I want us to know Jesus is generous. And this generosity that you see here in the desert, do you know where you see it later? You see it later on the cross. In Luke 23, where Jesus hangs there and dies in our place, he gives his life. He gave them food in the desert and he gives us an opportunity to live. That's the generosity. That's why in John 10, he says, I think it's up there. I came so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Same idea. Over-the-top generosity. That is who Jesus is. It says, verse 16, he kept giving food to the disciples to hand out. That phrase there, hand out, kept giving. What Luke is trying to tell you is there's a meal going on here, there's a dinner going on, and Jesus is the host. Jesus is practicing in the deserted place, beautiful hospitality. And this meal points to, sons, you can come up right now, this points to another meal that we are going to have. What they're doing right now is actually what we are going to do. Isaiah, Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah, uh, where is it, 25 says the Lord of armies will prepare for all people a feast. So Isaiah is giving this prediction, this future reality that is to come for the people of God, Jews and Gentiles, of choice meat, a a feast of aged wine, prime cuts of choice meat. The best of the best is what's going on at this meal. Fine vintage wine. When he has swallowed up death once and for all. Last week I talked about, our, we should not fear death. Because after death there's only more life. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. There'll be no more suffering. And remo- remove his, from his, people, his people's disgrace from the whole earth for the Lord has spoken. There's this promise on that day it will be said look this is our God on that day there's gonna be this voice lifted this is our God we have waited for him Remember, we've been dealing with this idea of being patient trusting God waiting upon him that the theme is just there and there and there because that's the theme for us right now not to run ahead of God just to wait on God to trust God every moment He has saved us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. What? Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. This is coming. And this, when we're at this meal, this is what we're going to say to one another. This is what we're going to lift up to our heavenly father. Last week, we got a reminder about the resurrection. This week, we get this reminder about this future feast that we are going through. And honestly, I was like, when I was coming to the, I was writing the message on Tuesday and I was thinking like, why are we back here again? Why are we getting this reminder again? Why is God doing this? Why is he constantly lifting our eyes to the future? Why is he constantly lifting our eyes to what is to come? Why is he doing that? Why is he doing that for us? Because I believe God wants us to know this is not our home. Say it again, brother. I want us to to see that God knows that this is not our home, and that He wants us to know that this life, the struggle, the trial, the ups and the downs, it won't always be this way. That there's better coming. And I just think we're going to need to hold on to that word and that reality as we continue to go through that there is better coming, that there's more life coming. And to hold on because I believe that's the other part that he keeps reminding us because he wants us to endure in the faith, to not give up. When the struggles come, there's a day where strife is going to be gone. There's so much strife right now in our world. There's a day coming when the the suffering is gonna be over. The text says that he's gonna wipe away every tear. The struggle is going to be done. There will be no more sin. This is the beautiful reality that we look forward to and that we have to wait on, that we have to live by faith in. This is what Jesus has won for us in the gospel. And so now you're like, all right, that's the future. What should I do now? If that's what's coming, I don't know if you know, Marv, but I still got to live here. I do know. I got to live here too. We're waiting on the next life. So, what should we do as we wait? Well, first, we should give praise to God for what is to come. Start rejoicing now. Why? I mean, you're going to a party, just start now. Give praise to God for what is to come now. Here's the next thing you do as you wait on the Lord. Minister like Jesus. We're sent by Jesus to minister like Jesus. So we do, we engage in the work. We're all ministers of the gospel. We participate now. And here's the other thing that you do. You trust and ask God to provide for your needs now. Again, the text shows He cares about our spiritual and our physical. He has dealt with the spiritual need by giving you new life in Christ. And there is daily needs that God will meet as we go to him in prayer. And remember, the key word is needs, not wants. There's a difference. And so we ask him to provide. And then this next one, last one, pray for his return let me say it again because I want you, I just didn't hit you the way it should have, maybe I should have yelled it more pray for his return in John 20 verse, John, John uh, Revelation, sorry, 22 20 says, Jesus says yes, I am coming soon and then it says amen come Lord Jesus so let me say it and then I want you to say amen yes I am coming soon yes I am coming soon yes I am coming soon and we say come Lord Jesus come stand with me and let's pray Jesus, as I stand here, I just, I confess. I just want you to come. Became a Christian at 25 and all I, I I just long for the day to to see you face to face, that the, the faith, our faith in you would just become a reality. We pray, Lord God, for your return. Because, Lord, we will dance in your presence. And so, Lord, as we long to be with you, we pray for your return. And as we wait on your return, would you help us, I pray, oh God, to minister, to serve like Jesus Christ, to serve like your son, each other, those inside the local church and those outside of it because even those outside of it are your image bearers lord that people you care about people who we should care about i pray lord that there would be such deep love and affection in our church family that we would minister i pray father god that we would believe as we looked at this miracle that you are a god who provides And we would trust your provision in our life. I pray for those who are fearful. I pray for those who are anxious, who are worried. Would you calm their heart? Take them to a supernatural place of trust. Where they believe in your goodness. Where they believe in your fatherly care. So that they can begin stepping out in faith. Trusting you to care for them. Provide for them. Thank you, Lord God, for the reminder that you care about our physical and our spiritual. We love you, God, for your goodness. Help us to be like you, to shine a bright light in a dark time. Help us to trust you. Help us to wait on you. But we do pray, oh God, that you would come. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit
1: hopetorontonorth.com.